The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. When I was a sophomore in high school, I told my Beatles fan club pen pal that I wanted to be a mystic when I grew up. And she said very practically, Maybe you should just be a progressive lady theologian. You could at least study for that in college. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know that today my guests are two progressive women theologians who are making a big difference in the world of faith and in the world of how humans relate to other than human beings. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Program. And I am going to jump right in without further ado and introduce these two amazing women. And I will let you know as the hour progresses why I find what they're doing so incredibly exciting. I'll start with Reverend Sarah Bowen, who has been on the program before, and she is an ordained interfaith minister, animal chaplain, and faculty member at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York City. She is the award-winning author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose, and other books. She is also a columnist for Spirituality and Health magazine, and she is a co-host right here on Unity Online Radio of the Big Universe Show. So welcome, Reverend Sarah. And I'm going to tell people about Reverend Erica. And she is Erica Allison, also an interfaith minister and an inspirational speaker who helps the queer community and also really cool straight people find spiritual liberation and live joyful, authentic lives. She is the author of Gay the Prey Away, Healing Your Life, Love, and Relationships from the Harms of LGBT Conversion Therapy. Erica leads a monthly spiritual gathering called Gay the Prey. Welcome, Sarah and Erica. Thank you. Hello, Victoria. So, do you want to tell everybody why we are all here together on this very special early day of a very special month for all of us? 
Well, I feel like we have the setup for a great joke here. Two reverends and a vegan walk into a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Then what happened? (laughs) Yeah, so we're here actually to, uh, I would say, celebrate a new development that the three of us plus one have put together, and it's called the Compassion Consortium. And it's a new initiative that's really coming from this place of wanting to offer a place to gather, a place to explore our spirituality that also includes other species, our friends, our animal friends, our friends from the animal kingdom who are so often left out of traditional spirituality. And Sarah, I'd love for you to say more about that. Yeah, I think more and more there are those of us who are interested in compassion for other species, other beings, for the earth herself. And we find that we are a little uncomfortable in our existing spiritual communities or religious communities sometimes when we want to have certain conversations. And so the Compassion Consortium either can be someone's primary home for spiritual development, or it can be an add-on if you want to have those really messy conversations that sometimes happen within religious communities. And what is so amazing about this is the wonderful idea expressed in the tagline that I believe is yours, Sarah, and that is interfaith, interspiritual, interspecies. Now, some people listening might think, what? You're going to have cats and dogs and birds and gerbils all together in a church? That sounds impractical. Make it a little bit more uh, clear for us. (laughs) Well, you know, we may. (laughs) I'm not ruling that out. Uh, But I think what's interesting is a a couple of things that we're talking about when we talk about interspecies. One is the conversations between species. So what is our um, requirement? What is useful for us? What are we called to do in relation to other species? And then there is the piece of animal spirituality. And this is something that's really, really near and dear to my heart is that animals have the capacity for a relationship with the divine or with God or with the universe, or I like to say the force because I love Star Wars, but whatever that is, that there is the capacity. So I have a lot of students or a lot of friends who do meditate with their dogs or who do go outside and take a walk with wildlife. So I think it's two things. When, when we're talking about the Compassion Consortium, it's number one, care and concern and theoethics for different species. And the other is, yes, allowing for the fact that perhaps a gerbil may show up one day or a rooster or a dog or some other species that may be part of our worship service. I love it. I had an experience last week that I want to share with you guys and uh, the listeners. People who listen to this show regularly knows that among the people with whom I live is a rescue pigeon. And thunder is amazing. I'm learning so much about a being who's very different from a mammal. But he loves to peck. and, And he likes to peck on bare skin, which I find really annoying. And there was one day last week when it was really getting to me, and it happened to be the day that I was a guest on a podcast that was led by a beautiful, beautiful um, spiritual person, a Reverend Nam Shakti. She has something called the Divine Temple University. And when the call was over and she was asking how everybody was, I was saying, you know, we're all good. Thunder is just doing a lot of pecking. And she said, would you like me to read his Akashic records? Now, I know 
some people who would listen to Unity Online Radio are cool with something like Akashic Records. And some people are thinking, uh, wait a minute, I thought you were going to talk about how to get enough protein as a vegan. But I'm open. And yet the idea that she said the Akashic Records for a pigeon, I have to admit, it took me a second to get it, that all beings are complete and all beings come from the divine. And if there is such a thing as Akashic Records, then why wouldn't he have one being a pigeon? And it was it was quite informative. The main thing I got from it was that he really needs music. So I figured out how to get the light classical station going on the on-demand, and he's a changed bird. It's interesting. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, Victoria, when we're talking about the importance um, of what we put in our bodies, right? We talk about that a lot. And also the importance of what we do with our bodies, meditation, mindfulness, things that bring us into balance. It would be funny to think that only humans would need those things. You know, one only needs to look at a bird or look at Jane Goodall's chimpanzees that are looking at a waterfall or just go out and check out your squirrels, check out the rabbits. You know, it seems like everyone has this kind of sense of mindfulness. And to think that that's only a human thing seems a little bit egotistical for us, doesn't it? What? Humans egotistical? How could that be? (laughs) So as you talked about Um, the wildlife around us who live in urban and suburban areas. I just wanted you to share with the listeners, Sarah, something that you do with your roadkill ministry. What's that about? You know, ever since I was a small child, I was very concerned about animals that had passed on. And I would walk home from school and I would walk around the, along the road and I would see little chippies who had kind of been flattened on the road and it broke my heart first grade, you know, my little pigtails in my little lunchbox, and I would pick them up and I would put them in my lunchbox and I would bring them home uh, so I could bury them. My father was a minister. And so I knew that, you know, when someone was gone, they should be buried reverently. So I brought them home to bury them reverently in, in my mother's rose bushes. Sometimes I would forget and I would just kind of deposit the lunchbox in the kitchen and then go off to play or do something. And then, you know, my mother would yell, Sarah, not another chipmunk. Uh, But I've been doing that since I was very, very young. This idea of, you know, when when someone has passed on to just kind of leave them on the road there doesn't it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right. So then a few years later, when I was dating the man who's now my husband, um, we were driving along one day and and I saw him smack his hand over his chest. And, And I was like, what are you what are you doing? Are you having a heart attack? What's going on in the car? And he said, you know, I'm I'm giving my blessing to spirit for the life of that animal that we just passed who's on the side of the road. And I no was wonder like, you married him. I was like, you mean the dead animal we just passed? This was early. Now, this is, you know, 18 years ago, but it was early on. And I said, you mean that dead animal? And he said, yes, of course. And I was smitten immediately that somebody else understood the the suffering, you know, and the feeling that we have when we see that suffering. So perhaps buoyed by that, as well as talking to other people about this and realizing that people do care. 
I started a little practice that I call Roadkill Ministry, and I have the bright flashing orange lights that go on the top of my Jeep, and I've got my gloves and my shovels and all of my things. And as I'm driving along, if I see somebody on the side of the road who's been flattened or or might be injured and need some help, because there's a chance for that sometimes too, but I pull over. And uh, I move them off the side of the road. I give them a little blessing. I say, I'm so sorry about the callousness of us humans and that we drive too fast and that we text when we drive and all these things. And I'm sorry we've taken over the land that you live on. And I hope you have a most auspicious next lifetime. And then I head on. And so, you know, I can do that (sighs) some seasons. Oh, dear. You know, I can be doing maybe 15 or 20 of these little guys in a week. Um, you know, so it, it, it keeps me busy, but I think it's important for people to know, and I'll just wrap it up with this, that, you know, there's a hundred people a day, uh, humans that are killed on us roads and that's horrible and that's sad and it's awful. And I don't mean to discount that. There's also a million animals a day in the U S who are killed on the roads, 400 million a year. So whether you give them a blessing, you slap your hand over your heart, you pull over to see if they might need some help and call the wildlife rescue, or you just drive a little slower because you just heard that fact, well, that's my roadkill ministry. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So Erica, tell us a little bit about you. Did you have this childhood connection as well? I've always had pets growing up, but I grew up in Texas and where I grew up, um, animals were thought of a little differently. They were, they were definitely thought of as um, accessories to make our lives better, whether that be through companions or through what is on our plate. And so it really took me um, becoming an adult and uh, discovering who I was to see where I actually land on that issue and not just where I was kind of conditioned to land on that issue. And so I've... Um, I've been able to develop some really beautiful relationships with animals. And specifically where I've seen some overlap is in the work I do in the LGBT world, there's a real kinship, um, especially with youth who have had experiences with just being abused, being neglected, and then finding an animal who has also had a similar story happen to them. So if you go to some of the animal sanctuaries where um, there are rescue operations going on for abused and neglected animals, it's really fascinating how those people, those humans and those animals offer a healing to each other that is deeper than words and beyond words. And there's just an understanding, there's a kinship there between them. And um, I found that to be a really beautiful, healing and inspiring place to, to play. Oh, and, and you are a beautiful and inspiring person to know. So tell us about your work in the LBGTQ world. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just the the quick version of my story is that I grew up, as I mentioned, in Texas and um, in a in a conservative Christian household. When I came out in my high school years, it was not accepted. It it just wasn't. It was it was thought of as sinful and it was thought of as I really needed to be saved from this dangerous path that I was on. So um, I was one of those people who experienced conversion therapy, which is a change attempt, um, usually motivated by love by positive intention, but with unfortunate harmful consequences. It's, it's a misguided effort to try to change someone's sexuality. Um, and nowadays it's also used to try to change someone's uh, gender orientation. So there's, um, there are a lot of things going on that unfortunately don't recognize the wholeness and the innate perfection of the being exactly as they are. And so that was what I grew up with. And my journey since then has been one of just healing and discovery and coming back to uh, seeing myself as whole and 
wonderful and lovable because that was a big, big one for me is, oh, well, who I am must not be lovable if everybody keeps wanting to change it. So uh, that's been one of my biggest journeys of my life is coming back to the discovery of, no, actually, I'm lovable exactly as I am and getting into alignment with that belief. Oh, that's lovely. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So the book is that story. It's it's the story of um, of what I experienced, but more of a focus on the path to healing. And in the book, I talk about this process called the rainbow path. And the rainbow path is every letter of the word rainbow is an acronym. It's an acronym. So every letter of the word rainbow is a step on that path, which was my journey and the journey that I help guide others through to kind of go from that moment of realizing that what happened to anyone who has experienced some kind of rejection, some kind of messaging that who they are is flawed in some way, recognizing the deep trauma that comes with a message like that and where that's living currently, where that's been stored and lodged in the body. And then how do you move that through? How do you move through that? How do you, how do you rewire your belief around that? Come back to an open heart and come back to love and forgiveness and um, go on to have a joyful, uh, authentic, loving, loving life. Oh, and the book is Gay the Prey Away. And it is fabulous. I have not read it yet, but I have heard amazing things. And there's also a legendary story about your book launch that I was not able to attend on Zoom, but people are talking about it still. And that was a couple of months ago. So that bodes well for a book that has a very, very long and successful life. So I just want to ask before we uh, go back to Reverend Sarah, how does your work in the LGBTQ community intersect with your veganism and your animal rights interests? Yeah, I, to me, there's such an overlap. And the, the biggest point I want to make here is that, as I started to say, the conversion therapy that happened to me, it wasn't intentional. The same way that these people weren't trying to trying to cause me harm, I believe that's true of people in the animal and human interaction world, too. We're not trying to cause animals harm. Very few people go out there and say, I want to hurt an animal today. It's just not really how we are. Just like very few people are going out saying, I want to hurt a gay person today. However, because of the unconsciousness that we tend to live through and live with, we are doing those things unconsciously. And so part of my work and where I see such an intersection here is this call, and I talk about this in the book, I really put a call to action out there that is our responsibility as humans to wake up from the trance where where we aren't able to look at anyone else, any other being, whether it be furry or non-furry, whether it be gay or straight, and see them as, you know, with the namaste look, with the, the divine in me sees and honors the divine in you. Um, and so I see that both in the way we choose to eat, the violence that sometimes is on our plate, and with the violence through which we unintentionally treat people who aren't like us. So true. It's a big undertaking. I, I think every liberation movement takes so much work and so much pain. William and I watched a documentary the other night called Crip Camp, which is about the um, Americans with Disabilities Act and and the kind of of work and trials it took to get that passed and not understanding that before I just thought well that's a good idea and of course someone suggested it and everybody voted for it because who wouldn't oh no it wasn't like that at all and and at the end of of watching that film I was thinking every movement that's ever existed certainly in this country and maybe anywhere to liberate anybody from some kind of bondage takes a lot and it takes time so it gives me a little bit more hope and patience about animal liberation that we're definitely on the way 
and that one's coming too. Oh, it's like so, the famous, the famous Gandhi quote about, you know, the, uh, a nation can be judged by the way it treats its animals. I really do think that the human, liber human liberation and animal liberation are absolutely connected in some way or another. When I became vegan, just a quick tale, um, one of the messages that dropped into my head, it was almost like, like God or the universe was speaking to me. And it basically said, now you see how I see the world. It was like, as soon as I broaden my view to include animals as, as a being that I choose to care about, it was like, now you get it. Now you're seeing with the divine eyes that before I had been too narrow to see through. Wow. Well, Reverend Sarah, maybe you can turn that into a meme for the Compassion Consortium Instagram page. <laughs> so we've, we've talked about one good book. Now we should talk about another. And if um, you are interested in, in being spiritually rebellious, you can check in the archives for... Um, uh, Reverend Sarah Bowen's first uh, appearance on Main Street Vegan. But for now, tell us about being a spiritual rebel. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as a preacher's kid, I who also grew up with, with some uh, questions and some broadening of my view about sexuality and gender and my concern for animals and all these different kind of things that I had going on. I often found that I didn't really fit in places. I didn't fit in specific theologies or I didn't fit in a specific community. And so that search took me all over into all sorts of different traditions. And, and I was just delighted to find uh, One Spirit Interfaith Seminary where I learned about all of the world's religious traditions and spiritual traditions and all this great stuff, all of these practices. You know, I basically knew there was prayer, meditation and yoga and that was it. But I got to one spirit and all of a sudden, kind of like um, Erica was just talking about, like my, my view just widened so wide. So I wanted to put a book together for people to help introduce them to all of these practices that can be done, all of these things in all of the wisdom traditions. So Spiritual Rebel is 21 days of practices from everything from forest bathing to different types of practices you do with art or we do with reading or you do with mindfulness. So people can try things out, especially if they have a little bit of religious trauma, perhaps, um, or they feel like they just want to stretch beyond where they are right now, the book offers a lot of different options for doing that. Wonderful. And it's, it's a fun, fun book. So when you think about being rebellious, are there people in your world who think that being vegan is rebellious? There are a lot of them. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting, especially in spirituality and religious conversations, when you bring the proverbial elephant into the room. When, when you get invited to something and someone says, hey, my community is having a chicken barbecue. You want to come over? And I go, no, <laughs> it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't match with my view of religion or spirituality. So, you know, I have a lot of really interesting, messy, messy conversations with people. And I think that a lot of that is slowly opening people's eyes. And so for me, as, a, as an interfaith, interspiritual, interspecies minister, that has to do, again, with going back to experience. I don't think we're going to win with my facts. I'm going to out-fact you with my facts or out-theologicalize you. I think I just made up a word, theologicalize you. Great word. But if, yeah, we'll use that one. But I think that if I can get you and I to have a compassionate experience together, 
And that's what we're trying to do with the Compassion Consortium, to, to open up to different species through experience. Then research tells us that you are more likely to view that being as someone who's worthy of your moral consideration, that you're willing to give them more consideration that they have a mental life, that you're more willing to not consider them edible or to want to wear them or to want to go to an amusement park and see them. So I think that the future of veganism when we're talking about spirituality and religion is not to chuck it away as it's in opposition to veganism, but to understand that it provides some really, really great tools for being vegan. And to go back to what you originally asked, Victoria, if I did not have my spiritual practices or my community, it would be very hard to function in a carnistic world. I need somewhere to go to have support with other people who understand what I'm talking about. And, and I think that that's a function and that's something that hasn't really been available wide scale to the vegan community yet. So I'm hoping that through the Compassion Consortium, it will be. Well, I'm so excited, and we will talk a lot more about the Compassion Consortium when we come back. When you guys are being introduced, we, we kind of stealthily said, and, and one more. So to lay out who's behind the Compassion Consortium, these two wonderful women, uh, Reverend Sarah Bowen and Reverend Erica Allison, and myself, and I'm not a reverend, so it's kind of cool to be let in, and also my husband, the almost reverend, he will graduate if he does all his homework right, uh, from the One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in early June. And actually, the Compassion Consortium was his idea. His name is William Melton. He doesn't like doing things like going on the radio or podcasts or anything terribly public like that. But this was his idea. And what's so remarkable about that, and I'm speaking out here to people who have romantic partners, life partners, who just don't get the vegan thing. I met William when he ate meat and he was an atheist. And I'd kind of had some bad experiences with spiritual vegetarians. So I thought, you know, give this guy a chance. It's not like he's going to marry you or anything. Well, he did. We did. <laughs> but two weeks after we met, he stopped eating meat. And it took several years for him to become completely vegan. But once he did, it was sort of like with you, Erica, it was just this complete transformation and this guy who likes being extremely private said to me okay now that all my leather is gone now that everything in my life is vegan you can take a picture of me with my two vegan wallets and and put it online <laughs> which he'd never ever wanted me to do before because it just meant so much so Several years later, he was inspired to go to seminary. He kind of left the atheism go somewhere along the lines. I think the animals kind of helped him open up to the great beneficence. And then through the wonderful ways that people connect, the Compassion Consortium will start in earnest on the 25th of April. And we will be talking about that. And you can check more out at CompassionConsortium.org. And in the meantime, um, hang tight, listen to these wonderful announcements, and we will be back with Reverend Erica Allison, Reverend Sarah Bowen, and the Compassion Consortium. Stay with us.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan program. This is always a high point of my week. I'm just so grateful that everybody tunes in and that uh, many of you have joined the Main Street Vegan podcast listeners group on Facebook so that you can have some real input into what we do here. Speaking of Facebook, the Compassion Consortium is there. The Compassion Consortium is also on Instagram. And the website, as I said earlier, is compassionconsortium.org. So moving back to our conversation with Reverend Sarah Bowen and Reverend Erica Allison, as I described the Compassion Consortium as interfaith, interspiritual, and interspecies, I think some people may be thinking, huh? So let's just start with interfaith because people as I have told them that William is in school at an interfaith seminary they're like what does that mean does that mean you believe in everything or nothing so uh, you're both interfaith ministers one of you jump in and give us a definition well I think it's important to remember too that people's experiences are very very wide and varied so I'm going to kind of generally describe these categories, but I want to also make sure that I say that, you know, people have different experiences, just like when someone says to me, all women think, and I think, is that really true? <laughs> so I think, you know, when we start to talk about interfaith, um, the idea idea of interfaith is that we have mixing of people who are solidly within their tradition. So that would mean in an interfaith gathering, we might have someone who's Jewish, someone who's Christian, someone who's Muslim, someone who is a yoga practitioner, someone who's a Wiccan, and they're all together for some sort of reason. And that might be to have a worship service. It might be to do something that is a, a, a service or a charity, or something that, that's good for the earth, or for another group of people, or it may be to have a dialogue, to learn from each other. So interfaith usually means that you have people of different types of traditions gathering together. Does that make sense? It does. So interspiritual then goes another step. And, and this is where it gets really interesting, and, and Eric and I get really excited. <laughs> so interspirituality is a term that was coined by Wayne Teasdale, and there's a wonderful book called The Mystic Heart, if people are interested in learning more about this. And what, what he said, and this kind of comes out of perennial philosophy and, and some other things that, that came before Wayne, but Wayne coined this great word that means it's not 
a tradition. It's not a religion, but it's a perspective that says all of these different religions at their mystical core are concerned with three things. Peace, compassionate service, and love for all creation. So underneath Christianity, we find that. Underneath my pagan friends, we find that, right? We find this in all of the different traditions. And then he goes on, and if we had more time, I would go through, there's really kind of nine elements that we find in each one of these traditions, and we could talk about that. But the idea of inner spirituality is we're all looking for the same type of thing out of our religion, right? So we get to this place of, of experience that I was talking about before. How do we experience together rather than how do we, what was our new word, theologize together? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where interspirituality comes in. So the third piece, interspecies, adds on, well, it's not just humans doing this. So how do we get us together? How do we also consider other species and consider that experience? I love it. Do you have anything to add, Reverend Erica? Yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, the the mystical piece. You know, Sarah used the word mystic and mystical, and that word has been used in many different ways. And in this context, the way we're talking about it, it just means the direct experience of the infinite or the uh, the God, the the divinity, whatever that means. And what's fascinating is going down this interspiritual path or this mystic path is one of the ways that you can feel and find that direct experience. And what I love about the fact that this is both inter-spiritual and interspecies is that I believe many people can find that you, uh, through animals. I think connections with animals can tend to be, they just think about who, who in your life is your biggest source of unconditional love and support. And in many cases for someone, that is their, their animal friend at home. So I think there are pathways and just, you know, looking in the eyes of a creature who only ever loves you and offers you acceptance, not judgment, <laughs> can be one of those ways into the divine or into the infinite. Um, and Ken Wilber, who's a, who's a philosopher, talks about these three faces of God. And a lot of times in traditional religion, we're given one face of God. You know, there's this God out there and here I am here and I'm supposed to be interacting with this God. Well, there's a way to broaden your view of that that includes looking at the infinite face of God, which is just God everywhere, God in nature, God as the limitless possibilities that are all around us that we're swimming in, and also God as the inner. And that's where getting into that silent, quiet place, and whether that's inner within yourself going into that still small space, uh, for me, that's where I found veganism, to be honest with you. I was meditating. I had had a spiritual awakening in my early 30s and was just starting to get quiet with myself and get all that noise and all that conditioning and all that programming out of my head. And it wasn't until I got quiet and got still and got into that inner divinity that was inside of me that I found my alignment and all the all the beliefs and all of the truths that were aligned for me. And one of the truths I found in there was that I care about the suffering of, of all beings. I cared about it about myself, and I also care about preventing it as much as I can in others. So I think what we're doing here is hoping to help people find as many doorways in to this space as possible, because in here is where the mystery lies. And um, whether whether that's through animals or through silence or through various practices like Sarah talks about in her book and that we'll explore in our programming. Um, I just think it's going to be a wonderful experience for everyone. Well, it's revolutionary. I don't think there has ever been um, 
a spiritual organization that has looked at the world and its creatures quite this way. So the original idea was we would have some little something in New York City and maybe stream it if we could figure out how to do that. But uh, <laughs> pandemic has <laughs> but taught us bigger. all to be Zoom experts. <laughs> And we're looking at something quite a bit bigger. So, Reverend Sarah, would you like to explain what is going to happen on April 25th and going forward? Sure. So, each month on the fourth Saturday at Sunday. Four, Sunday oh, there I was going into the Shabbat there. <laughs> on the fourth Sunday, thank you, Victoria, 4 p.m., Eastern time, we'll be gathering. Now, at this point, of course, with the pandemic in mind, we are going to be gathering online. However, once the world opens up a little bit more, the hope is that that will be more of a hybrid experience. So we'll have in-person as well as not losing all of our friends from all around the world who want to, to Zoom in with us. But the idea really behind our services is that anyone of any spiritual path or none at all, if you're in the uh, unaffiliated category, can come and be in a community that's warm-hearted, open, and concerned about all species. So each time, we're going to mix it up so it's a little fresh and interesting each time, but, but each service, we have elements like music, meditation, um, a message, uh, we have some blessings and prayers for animals uh, who are with us or animals who are suffering or different different pieces like that, as well as an interview with someone each month, a different person, who we really think is doing some great work in this area. So we're trying to get to mind, body, and spirit all together in community. It's so exciting to me because I have talked with a lot of people who are vegan, you know, they, they do animal rights work and either they have a spiritual community and they just feel something is missing because they want to stay there and be there, but they're the only vegan. They can't really talk about some of these things that are very important to them and other people just left and they have a longing you know people who just have no interest in in religion which is certainly a very uh, reasonable way to interact on this planet may not understand what it's like for somebody who grew up in in a faith community and to turn from that it leaves a hole and, and this is a hole that the Compassion Consortium is uniquely qualified to fill because even in the realm of when veganism and, and spirituality intersects, and there are quite a few amazing things out there where that is going on, the Compassion Consortium is the first one that is clergy-led. So do you think that's revolutionary? I think it's revolutionary, and I think it's also because we're experience-led. And I think that's important when you talk about that hole that, that, that opens up. I'm a 12-stepper, so you know I know a lot about the things that we try to fill that hole with sometimes when we have a bad experience or a hurtful experience in a religious community and what we try to stuff in that hole, right? <laughs> Whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or food or all sorts of other different things. So I think the really revolutionary thing that we're doing here is talking about giving people tools, spiritual tools that they can use to help support that holistic mind, body, spirit. 
And I think that having that done in a place where it aligns with your, as Victoria would say, your vegan sensibilities is something that hasn't really been out there before. So you don't have to come with a defensive kind of state of, I'm going to have to explain myself, right? Because we already know, we already know, we've been there, we've been grappling with it as well. And so I want to encourage people also who have left religion completely, who say, ah, religion's all about dominion, (laughs) that we don't have that viewpoint. And we've got some really interesting things to share with you. And it is going to be interesting. So on um, April 25th, our our guest interviewee, I will be the interviewer. (laughs) We decided that instead of a sermon quote, we were going to have an interview. And people who are in New York will know what I mean when I say a 92nd Street Y style interview. I don't know if they invented this, but they certainly perfected the art of having a, a person usually famous interview another person often more famous. And the the back and forth was just so fascinating that that's why we wanted to do this uh, for Compassion Consortium. So our first um, guest interviewer, interviewee, uh, will be Bruce Friedrich of uh, the um, Good Food Institute. And he is a a very devout Roman Catholic. He finds a great deal of, of spiritual support there and support for his vegan principles. He is also married to a Hindu woman. So uh, the interfaith is just going on all over the place. And then in addition to the Sunday service, we're going to do something cool in the middle of the month. Who wants to talk about that? Erica? So in addition to these monthly gatherings, which, by the way, open to all, please, please come invite your friends, um, vegan, non-vegan. It really is a place of I I like to think of it as a place of kindness. I mean, that's really what we're about here. Um, Kindness and love and um, seeing if we can just open our hearts a little bit bigger. And that's where we start to be more inclusive. Right. So, of course, putting on my queer minister hat, it's all about that inclusivity. And in this case, we're looking at the inclusivity of our of our four and two legged friends as well. So uh, the other thing we're doing, though, is more of an educational side of the of things, and that is through a book club and a film club. So on the alternating parts of the month when we're not having our gathering, we're going to be offering either a book of the month or a film of the month. And we will be gathering to screen that or read those together, discuss those. And it'll be a way to just be exposed to thought leaders in this space, maybe perspectives you haven't heard before, um, and to be in community with others who want to discuss similar topics. And who's going to be first for that? So the first one on May 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern time is going to be Fletcher Harper. And I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with his book, amazing book, Green Faith, Mobilizing God's People to Save the Earth. Green Faith is an amazing, large now, quite large organization that really works on this intersection between Uh, planetary wellness, ecology, food, people, animals, climate change. I mean, everything. It's all wrapped up. We talk a lot about uh, the intersectionality of all of these issues. And Green Faith is a leading organization that's working on that. So I will be interviewing Fletcher on May 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Cool. And he is an Episcopalian priest. And then we've already scheduled the fourth Sunday of May. That's going to be Gwena 
um, Hunter, and she's the founder of Vegans of LA and Vegans for Black Lives Matter. And she has a wonderful, deep sort of new age spirituality. And I have found so often that people can have this this beautiful, huge idea of, of God as in all and beyond all. And, and they're just... And then it doesn't get to the animals. And so I'm so excited that we're going to be speaking with Gwenna, who gets the whole thing. So the idea is that every month and for the Book and Film Club, we're just going to be offering people with interesting perspectives. No requirements to agree with anybody's perspective, but maybe to let it kind of rub against yours and see what you come up with as a result of that. So I just want to ask each one of you, as this is about to launch, what are you most excited about? I can go first on that. I am very excited, as we've kind of discussed already, there, for me, I've been kind of bouncing around. Like when I started my, you know, leaving the traditional Christian faith and then I threw out the baby with the bathwater, like many of us who have been harmed by the way they grew up do. Uh, but with the, with that longing for a spirituality that fit or that felt aligned with me. And um, I love the idea of being able to be in a community where others are, I guess, maybe working on the same level of awareness. Um, I have found myself drawn to Thich Nhat Hanh's community, Plum Village community of Buddhism for similar reasons, because there's a group of people there who have included animals in their worldview of things and in their way of looking at nonviolence. And so to know that there's um, a way to do this in an interfaith, interspiritual way of being um, really excites me. And I look forward to meeting all the people that will be gathered together and meeting new connections and finding new people to collaborate with. Cool. And you, Reverend Sarah? I am really excited <laughs> about not having people think that I have lost my mind when I say that I meditate with squirrels. <laughs> this, you know, just, and, and that's, you know, I, I say that with a little bit of humor, but, but there's a deep, deep truth underneath it that to be able to be in a community where our interactions with other animals are not put down or minimized or that we feel that we have to defend them in some way, that we can elevate them or actually they elevate themselves. They don't need us to elevate them, but that we can, we can have this awareness and acknowledge the capacity for all species to have spiritual connections and to be able to feel that. Uh, in one of our pre-launch events, we have a rooster coming. I'm so excited about that, right? You know, so, so this idea of being able to truly, okay, I have to tell a small story. I got kicked out of church when I was 14, a large youth retreat, because I went to a pet store and I bought one of the mice that they were gonna feed to a snake. And I put him in my pocket and the other girls around who were not quite as inclusive as I was turned me in that I should be kicked out for having a mouse in church. To which I responded with three or four really good Bible verses from the Bible I grew up with. <laughs> they could not kick me out. They gave me a tiny little box and they said, the mouse has to go in the box. We don't want to see you in here again. So, you know, I go back to that place. It's 30 years later or perhaps a little more. <laughs> And to be able to be in a community where if I have a mouse in my pocket occasionally, it's okay. So I'm excited about that. I, and the church mouse is practically a religious institution. Exactly. 
and the and the donkey and the dogs and the everybody everybody that should should be included and should be referenced and that's one just the last point i want to make about what i'm excited about animal inclusive liturgies right this is not about humans talking about animals this is us talking about their needs, their concerns. This is not about um, how do humans best steward somebody for their own purposes, right? Animal inclusive liturgies. And I think that's what's really important. It's going to be amazing. And one of the reasons that we chose 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays is so that people who worship on Saturday or people who worship on Sunday morning will do that and uh, can still catch the Compassion Consortium service uh, a little bit later on. So when we think about people in their religious communities, and and not just religion, I mean, I just finished a wonderful day-long retreat, uh, Yoga Goes Vegan, and you would think that yoga would just be so open to being vegan. You know, not so much out there in practice, although we're certainly planting the seeds. So when people are in a religious or spiritual context, and and maybe they are the only vegan, or they're very concerned about animal issues, they have a mouse in their pocket, how do they communicate this to other people, other people of faith? Yeah, I think we really want people to share uh, this experience. I, th- I, I think part of it really is about community. Um, you know, Sarah can go meditate with the squirrels in the park, but there's a, a reason she's going to want to come here where she can be with other both humans and animals that are all coming together with this one intention. Intention is so powerful. So I think there's something about the intentionality of what we're doing here. Um, at this time when consciousness is rising, I think any of these intentions we can be putting out there are, are going to have a ripple effect. So I think the best way to share it is to invite people in on this. Um, I think it's novel what's being what's going on and probably just sharing it with people in that way of, hey, have you heard of that, have that church that includes the animals or have you heard of that spiritual gathering that... Um, you know, where vegans and non-vegans come together and, and with, with animal friends and just see what kind of reaction your friends may have. And you might be surprised that they're like, oh, I check that out. That sounds amazing. And I think to build on what Erica's saying also, our intention is to also be able to provide tools to people to take back to their communities as well. So we have some learnings, some research, some really, some great research for folks that, that says, how do you broaden the community that you're in as well. We truly believe in multiple belonging. I belong to way too many, perhaps, spiritual communities. Saturdays and Sundays are very, very, very busy around here. But the idea of how do we extend this so that we have this kind of wonderful hub that we're coming out from at the Compassion Consortium to imbue this idea into all the communities that all of us are involved in. How do we have those conversations and how do we support each other? Because sometimes those conversations are difficult. So we're going to be providing tools for that as well and resources for people. And for for example, on the tools and resources, I don't know if everyone knows this, but did you know it's possible to do Reiki or energy work with animals? Or that there are people out in the world who are animal chaplains to help animals pass through in a peaceful, loving way. These are all the types of tools and resources that we'll be able to share with others. And you may find that that is something you want to bring home to your personal community. And it might be some practices that you want to integrate into your life. 
And somebody I was talking to yesterday made a suggestion. I probably shouldn't be bringing up a suggestion without the fourth founding member being present. But this person was saying, do you think maybe when you're up and running, you could have a singles group? So we'll just float that out there because there are a lot of people who are looking for love. And for a vegan, (laughs) you want to be looking in all the vegan places. And if you're a vegan with a spiritual life, you know, sometimes it's hard to find compatible people. So maybe that's happening down the line. I want to ask you about something else for the Compassion Consortium or for any person who who has a vegan spirit. We're we're not evangelical, but we kind of like to be vegangelical. How do we do that? How does each of you do that? I'll start at the top of my screen, Reverend Sarah, and then Reverend Allison. (laughs) You know, that's a really, really great question. And for me, what it comes back to are questions. So when I'm with people and and I see things that uh, I have some tension with, is just asking very curious questions of them. And I think that often when we ask someone to reflect on what the choices they might be making, it can sink in in a different way than when I tell someone. So that's that's one of the things. I invite people, if they are curious about things, to come over to my house for dinner like many of us do. But I also invite them into interspecies meditation with me. So I often do a practice called Animal Divina, which is an uh, audio-visual practice of looking at animals and listening to animals. So for me, it's always going to come back to practice. Do you want to come meditate? And hey, do you want to come meditate with squirrels? But the idea of touching the heart space for me is is how I think people can open up. And that's where my, you know, I hate to use the word evangelicalism because we've attached some baggage to it, right? We've attached some baggage to it. So I just want to say spreading the word, perhaps, spreading the word about some of the options that are available for aligning your spiritual values with animal welfare. Beautiful. And Reverend Erica, final I'll, minute. I'll pick up on the word aligning because that's where it's at for me. It's, you know, I love the quote, preach the gospel, use words only when necessary. It To me, it's the same. Like, how can I just be a model through how I live my life? And the joy and peace that I'm radiating out in the world becomes contagious in a sense. And and it's really help. I like to help people find that, that inner alignment. And in that alignment that they're finding, I believe they might discover through their higher self what is their deepest truth. That is so beautiful. And I'm looking at my dog right now and thinking, he's probably pretty close to his deepest truth. And I feel so grateful to have that relationship and so many others with incredible animal beings, human beings, and divine beings that uh, I feel are around us all the time. So for more information about the Compassion Consortium, check out CompassionConsortium.org, Compassion Consortium on Instagram and Facebook. And we will see you back here next week. Thank you all for being here. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa 
and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa one to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.